0: What's up, horror fans? It's Danny from the lasser cast alongside my bearded brother, Pete. Uh, and we are here uh, continuing on with our halfway to Halloween month. Uh, we are covering Shudder uh, and their halfway to Halloween selection. And we got a double dose of horror for you. We are starting with a review of a movie that is almost... Thirty-five years old, uh, from the great, the late great Wes Craven, uh, *The Serpent and the Rainbow*, uh, a movie that I feel gets usually uh, very underrated for his filmography uh, and underspoken about. Uh, and then we are going to be covering episode two of season two of *Cursed Films* which is about a movie, Pete, that we talked about on this channel. We gave a big deep dive of, and that's Rosemary's Baby. So what is going on? How are you doing this uh, Easter evening?
1: Yeah, I'm good, man. Like you said, it's Easter evening, Passover, right? Everything's going on. It's been a very busy weekend. Uh, Testicle is trending on Twitter right now. Apparently it has something to do with uh, Tucker Carlson and – men tanning their testicles is apparently a way to get back some of your testosterone so i was just thinking about all the weird kind of voodoo stuff that is in this movie and you know how we look upon that culture i'm like that's so exotic and so strange and yet here we are saying testicle tanning in 2022. uh but that's probably pretty distracting i think we're gonna (laughs) jump into this movie which i've never seen before by the way and um I was a little embarrassed Danny because I looked at Wes Craven's filmography like right before this movie and after. So you got ni- 1984, you got Nightmare on Elm Street, then you got The Hills Have Eyes 2 in 85, Deadly Friend which like I don't think I've even heard of. Have you seen that it? one?
0: Deadly Friend is the movie where uh Kirsty Swanson I think plays I don't know if she's like a robot who goes haywire or <laughs> But it's the movie where she throws the basketball yes. into the woman's face. And it's the yes. woman from the Goonies. I think Anne Ramsey from the Goonies. Right. And and from what I've heard, I don't think I've ever seen that movie either. But I think that's the, from what I've heard, that's like the only scene in the movie that you have to see. And it's all over like YouTube compilations. So. Yeah.
1: No, no, dude. I totally did see that movie, actually. I didn't realize that was that movie. So, yes, I have seen that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's in 86. Then there's this movie in 88. Shocker's in 89. And then The People Under the Stairs is in 91. So out of all those movies, the only one that i had seen before this was A Nightmare on Elm Street and I guess Deadly Friend. And I know you're a big People Under the Stairs fan.
0: People Under the Stairs, one of my favorite uh, films because it's one of those movies that is absolutely not what you're expecting it to be based on the advertising, the poster, the tagline, you go into this movie thinking that it's going to be this like scary monster under your people, like under the stairs that are going to get you. And it's this movie that is just full of social commentary. It's this movie that has so much to say. It's scary. It's funny. Um, I got to meet the cast a couple years ago at a horror convention and it was so awesome. And I I love that movie so much. It's, it's low key, maybe my favorite Wes Graven movie. Uh, And shocker, whenever people talk about like remakes and what should you go and remake or like what, like, why do they keep remaking movies? My stance has always been stop remaking great movies, remake Bad movies with great ideas and shocker, as much as I love Wes Craven, it's a bad movie with a great idea. And I think that when you incorporate like streaming and the fact that everybody today is on multiple devices, the idea of a, of a, a serial killer who can get around through technology and go from device to device, I think is such a great idea. So I'm putting it out there into the ether Yes. somebody with a lot more talent than us, remake Shocker. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah.
1: like,
0: like don't remake a nightmare on Elm Street. I know you're doing it for the money, but it's, it's going to suck. And it did suck. Right, right. Like half of the people who love a nightmare on Elm Street probably never even saw it or heard of Shocker. So they'll, they'll go see it. It was, it's so, did you ever see, you never saw Shocker?
1: I have not, no, no.
0: Are you an X-Files fan? Of course. Because it's Skinner. He's oh, Horace right. Pinker.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, wow. And he, He'd be good he could villain.
0: play Horace Pinker again. He, oh, he was yeah. the best part of the movie. He's, yeah, like, the yeah. only great part of that movie. Like, he puts his all into that movie.
1: Right. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's interesting, right? Because, like, each of these movies that you just mentioned... They're so different from each other, right? Yeah. One of the stairs, Shocker, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. I've never seen the original Hills Have Eyes or the sequel to it. I mean, I'm a big. big I never fan saw of the, the
0: sequel, but I've seen the original, and I know. I think I, I know you love the remake. That's I right. that's a movie that's a perfect example. It, Hills Have Eyes, it's it's known. It's got some scenes that hold up. But it's not a great movie. The remake kicks ass. Right. That, those are the types of movies that need to be remade. You know, yeah. if if you need to remake movies. The, right. That kind of film. But yeah, like, yeah. right after People Under the Stairs, he he did uh West Craven's New Nightmare right. and then
1: Vampire Scream. The Oh, Vampire uh, yeah. in
0: Brooklyn! I always forget about. But then, but then, '96. He does Scream, and the rest is history. Like that was. So I mean, I, I we're we're supposed to be talking about Serpent in the Rainbow. We've spent six minutes just kind of waxing poetic about Wes Craven's '80s and '90s filmography and how great and how different he was. Uh,
1: yeah, but you know what? It's it's good that you did that, right? Because when I watched this movie, I kept thinking two things. I kept thinking is this movie like offensive to modern audiences? I I know it's got that sort of like that white savior narrative that people have a big problem with nowadays. Whenever they see movies that are from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, like, Oh, is this a white savior narrative? I kept thinking about that and like how they framed the people of Haiti. And then I also kept thinking about like Wes Craven does have a very specific style and you see it in this movie and the sequences with like the nightmares and stuff in this movie are so fucking good. And it just reminds me of a nightmare on Elm street because there's some like real creepy, disturbing nightmare sequences in this movie. Did you agree? Or what do you think? So I,
0: I just want to, the first thing you said about how I I totally watching this movie, I, I hadn't seen this movie probably since, the early nineties, like probably since I, I have vivid memories of being scared of the TV spots to this movie. Like when I was like six years old of Bill Pullman on the, uh, in the trailer on TV going, don't let them bury me. I'm not dead. And I remember thinking that, that like, I couldn't sleep because of those trailers. Right. Uh, The, the nightmare sequences are, the best part of this movie. Uh, Not, not to spoil too much about my opinions, but I didn't love this movie rewatching it as much as other Wes Craven movies. And then what you said about the whole white savior thing, people under the stairs, he really goes the extra mile. I think Wes Craven to, to go around that where the hero in that movie is not just an African-American, but it's an African-American kid who Mm. like has to save, uh, has to go up against white villains uh, and save a white girl. Mm. Uh, And it's so like Wes Craven, he really was um, on top of the pulse. And I think that he might've gotten some of the criticisms that people had from this movie and then work them into his later projects. Like we said, he did Vampire in Brooklyn, uh, which was, you know, Eddie Murphy as as a vampire with Angela Bassett uh, in the early 90s also. So right. I, I think he was uh, kind of ahead of the, the curve when it came to uh, being up on the PC, you know, conversations about movies like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just like, to me, you know, I, I had not seen this movie ever. Right. And I had seen some of the promotional stuff for it. Like you said, I, I think I have seen those trailers too. And I think every so often maybe I've seen like little snippets of it on HBO, like when I would watch things on HBO late at night. Right. And, um, it reminds me of this one tales from the crypt episode. I'm wondering if you had seen it. I th- I'm pretty sure it's, um, uh, Fuck, now I'm forgetting the actor's name. I wanted to do research and look up this particular episode, but it's one where there's these two doctors. I'm pretty sure it's the guy that plays uh, Jack in The Shining. Uh, the- Steven Weber? I think Steven Weber is one of the doctors. I might be wrong, but essentially there's two doctors, and um, they do the exact same thing to Steven Weber's character, where they make it look like he's dead, and they kind of perform like an autopsy on him. Do you know what I'm talking about? That Tales I, from the Crypt episode? I
0: remember... I- I I remember the episode. I don't remember specifics. Like, I'm so due for a rewatch of the entire Tales from the Crypt series.
1: Right. And and the thing is, it's kind of creepy because it's pretty much from his perspective. So you see all the stuff happening to him, right? And, and like, people are doing twisted things. I mean, you hear his thoughts. He's like, no, don't do that. And it's, like, one of the most disturbing things I ever saw. And it kind of haunted me. And I kept thinking this movie has that in it, too. Um, they didn't actually play up that one particular aspect as much as I thought they were going to. Like, the whole idea of, like, being buried alive, being, like, alive, and you're going through that whole testing process when you're going to be buried. Like, to me, that is the scariest freaking idea in the world. Oh, yeah.
0: That, that I mean, and they, they, they hit you with that right in, like, the opening credits with right. Christoph, right. the character of Christoph, who... As he's being buried, you see the tear going down his face and you're just like, yikes. And then he he tells his side of the story later about how he, uh, you know, he experienced everything. He felt everything. Yeah, and yeah, uh, it, there's the, the scene with the, the 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 bride, the skeleton bride and, and and him being pulled into the grave in the arms. Those are all like those nightmare scenes and the burying alive stuff. That was the stuff that stuck with me the first time I saw it. And re-watching it, those are the scenes that stick with me again. A lot of the rest of the movie doesn't really stick with me and it kind of it kind of sticks out in almost like a negative way. I agree. I I I don't I love Bill Pullman, I really do. I don't think he was cast well in this movie. I don't think he necessarily fit I think this movie um, has a candidate for most out of place, awkward sex scene in a movie I've ever seen.
1: Yes, thank you. Okay, like, I, I didn't know if we were going to talk about it. That's that's good. Okay, it,
0: like it, if they just if they just had like a fling, I it whatever, but it's it it feels like it's an overly long. It scene is. that comes out of nowhere in like right. a cave where other like yeah just very weird
1: and it goes like in slow motion on her face at one point too I'm like oh, okay and
0: so here's something I was, I was reading the trivia on IMDB right. apparently <laughs> uh, I find this hilarious Bill Pullman had just gotten married and his wife was on set and there's uh, a scene, like the big dance sequence, um, I think his wife is in that sequence. So his wife was like on set. And now they're like, Bill, we need you in the cave for the slow motion, uh, really long uh, sex scene. <laughs> uh, and then when you're done with that scene, uh, take a day off to enjoy your honeymoon. But like
1: <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I like Bill Pullman, too, but you got to use him in the right way. You know, cave scenes aside, like he he works really well in uh, Independence Day. And that's what most people probably remember him from, because he's sort of this president that people don't feel is qualified to be the president. And there's a lot of jokes at his expense. And he's able to kind of pull through as like the underdog in this. He's supposed to play this like Harvard graduate, this uh, ethnobiologist. Right. Who's based on a real person.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it, it the it, the movie's based on a book, right? And I, according to IMDb, like the, the person who wrote the book weighed something, the,
1: Ray Davis.
0: Yeah, apparently, like, uh, his book was like uh, didn't hold up to a lot of scrutiny, and sure. it came so it also. I'll tell you another thing that. Uh, it, and I know you're a Blade Runner fan, so I'm sure yes. you'll identify with this, but the narration. Yes, I mean, yes. Horror movies should not be narrated. Yeah. Like I, 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 I don't think horror movies ever need to be narrated other than like an intro or an outro. But when there is constant narration, it kills a lot of the the dread and the suspense you know, knowing that he's narrating, you know he's going to survive at the end, because how else is he freaking narrating,
1: you know? Yes. Yes, very well put. It. You know, it kind of threw me off, because it says in the very beginning, it's based on a true story, and then, like, when I did a little bit of research beforehand, they were talking about how it's based on this book where it's like, this is a, a true story. It's not like they adapted a novel. They adapted this guy's retelling of his experience, and the movie is so like supernatural seeming, especially the ending where they're talking about like keeping people's souls, to like power themselves and stuff. It it just, it, it didn't work. And, you know, you were talking about how the nightmare scenes are the best part of the movie. I feel like the problem with this movie is you kind of have this very flat, almost like historical, like it's a recount of a true story, half of the movie. And the other half is this crazy kind of voodoo imagery And one is obviously clearly stronger than the other. And so when you go to the stuff that is just the flat kind of retelling, you're just kind of bored, you know? And you're like, all right, can we move on? You know? Yeah. And and luckily there are a couple of scenes where they like kind of jarringly throw in stuff that you're not expecting when they're doing the flat kind of stuff. Uh, Like in particular, like I always think of that, that sequence at the end with the uh, dinner party, when they're having that dinner party and then the woman's possessed, like that really... threw me for a loop that was maybe the the most disturbing part
0: i feel like um wes craven has two different types of movies for me he has the types of movies that just work are just all in all great horror films nightmare on elm street people on the stairs uh scream uh you know uh he has those types of movies And then he has movies like this where there are great scenes in what is other in in, in the rest of the movie is just kind of there. Uh, And there are these great all time horror movie scenes in these uh, okay movies. You know, this is probably a two and a half star movie with some four star scenes that if you yeah. like, if you if like if I was making a list of you know the hundred greatest, a hundred scariest movie scenes, there's at least one scene in in this movie uh, of, you know, the, the dream sequence where, you know, he sees the the bad guy and then he starts getting pulled underground, and there's the hands reaching out for him. That's going on my list, but yes, yes, I, I just, I don't think this movie. Uh, you brought up the souls. Uh, this movie came out in eighty eight, and I was like, the, the, the villain in the movie literally says, "Your soul is mine," and I was like, <laughs> did Mortal
1: Kombat get, get this? I think did, so, maybe is, is he Shang Tsung? Like. <laughs> hey it's possible i i want to talk about that villain i want to talk about um that actor too because you mentioned vampire in brooklyn and he's in vampire in brooklyn too uh i want to make sure that i pronounce his name correctly first of all in the movie he's uh, a captain uh his name is petrod right petrod and then so it's zakes mokay is, is that how i think how you that's say his yeah
0: i think zakes mokay i think that's how you pronounce it
1: so i thought he was excellent i think he was a really really great villain. And when I think of these movies, you know, a lot of times they're set in this sort of real world setting. And this obviously has a supernatural component. But I think of like a movie like um, The Last King of Scotland, like a movie where you have like an outsider in this kind of culture. um, And they always come off as like, oh, these savage people or I can't believe how brutal they are. And that's our sort of our Western view of these cultures. Right. And um, the way that they look at the Haitian people, it's like, oh, look how they do all this weird stuff with animals and they believe in all these different Loa and all this kind of crazy spirit stuff. Um, he represents this force that I see in a lot of movies like this, where it's just like so brutal and horrible. I mean, they decapitate that one guy at the end of the movie. Um, they stabbed Bill Pullman in the testicles with uh, a <laughs> nail, you know? Um, I, I just thought he was really, really cruel and he was a really great villain.
0: I, I totally forgot that scene and then I'm watching it and I'm like and and he's like surprisingly fine and like you don't expect the protagonist in your movie to be like it went in and out of the scrotum and you're like yeah okay <laughs> I,
1: I, I mean, heard he that rest in the bed and he talks about how Mariel helped him get better you know
0: yeah Good thing his wife was on set.
1: There you go. Yes, yes. I Anything with getting stabbed in the scrotum or something, that, that really bothers me. Just as much as eye stuff. And by the way, a guy gets stabbed right in the eye with a needle in the beginning of the movie, too. That really Oh, me
0: yeah. That was Kristoff. Like, they, they're like, oh, he's dead. Look, we can stab the... Uh... I hope that's not what they do. Like, I can only imagine like in a hospital where they're like, oh, we don't have a pulse. Quick, stab him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> like what
1: and Man, yeah. that
0: was uh, it was you know you brought up the 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 way that like you know we look at, uh, at an Americanized viewpoint of these foreign cultures especially for the, the late 80s uh, and they try to tie in some real world uh, political turmoil that was going on in Cuba, uh, in Haiti at the time and Uh, If you, if you look at the, uh, what do you call it? If you look at the, uh, the behind the the scenes stuff, they actually had to move filming um, out of Haiti and to the other side of the island to the Dominican Republic. But I I feel like I, and I'm not saying that this movie should be remade, but I feel like the perfect example of taking real world of uh, events and tying them into a sort of supernatural story is Pan's Labyrinth. And that's Guillermo del Toro, who's not an American. And so he has the ability to kind of do that in a more uh, subtle way where he's not like, you know, it it doesn't feel out of place. You know, Bill Pullman as the... uh, protagonist in this movie he really does feel very
1: out of place yes that white uh savior that has the jaguar spirit right that helps him win in the end yeah
0: that although i i that scene where he's rolling around with the jaguar that had to be the most well-behaved jaguar
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, he's pretty brave bill pullman I, i don't know i mean like He's good, and the I mean, well, no, he's actually kind of miscast, but the villain is really good, and it's kind of good to see this, like, really brutal villain torturing this kind of goofball of a guy, and then you have people that are around him, like, I thought Mariel was really great, that's Kathy Tyson, and then I also really like that Paul Winfield is in it, Paul Winfield is sort of a, a genre actor, too, you know, I always remember him from uh, The Wrath of Khan, he gets the one of the ear worms you know in his ear right oh okay because uh, to me he, he's um the blob the, what he's in the blob isn't he in the blob too the remake no that's
0: Zake's moke. i think i he's in the remake of the blob yeah 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 it, it, Yeah, isn't he the like the, the evil doctor who, who the scientist at the end who get the last one to get killed
1: Oh, fuck. Now I got to look it up. I could have saw Paul
0: Winfield. Paul Winfield was the police chief in Terminator who right. uh, brings Sarah Connor in. And yeah. when Arnold shows up at the police station, you know, that, that scene. Him and yeah. Lance Henriksen are the two cops.
1: Right. Okay, right. Yeah, so like I said, like genre guy, right? He's in just a whole bunch of things. Um, yeah, and if you guys want, you know, we also, Danny and I interviewed... Um, David Weiner, we did talk about Star Trek 2 actually, in that, and uh, Paul Winfield's in that, and we also did talk about Terminator, the first one, on our channel a couple weeks ago, too, so check out those videos, they're on the channel. Um In this, he's this kind of oh, charismatic... I, I'm sorry,
0: I just have to, because um, you brought it up, uh, In Search of Tomorrow, the digital copies of all are being sent out, uh, so... I've started to see a ton of people on social media, uh, on Twitter, uh, commenting about how, you know, can't wait to get into my digital copy of In Search of, Do- uh, in Search of Tomorrow. Uh, I've seen a lot of positive uh, reviews of it. Uh, I've seen a lot of people screen capturing their, their name in the credits and then putting that up uh, online online. I have to do that too. Cause I, I think I might've even put my name and the Lasser cast. I'm not sure. I have to, nice. I have to double check. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for my, my Blu-ray copy also.
1: <laughs> nice man. That's cool. You did that. Yeah. Yeah. We did a whole month. You know, we did the Terminator. We, we interviewed David, we did uh predator and we also did um, the running man. So if you guys like that documentary, if you're here for this uh, serpent in the rainbow discussion because of uh paul winfield we got you covered man you
0: know (laughs) the niche audience of paul winfield fans out there yes
1: yes and and i think that they might like paul winfield deaths he's almost like a um sean bean of the time right because he dies in this he died in terminator uh he dies in star trek 2 in this he might have the most gruesome fate of them all yeah uh well i mean like at least in a vision he rips off his own head Yeah.
0: Oh, like I said, this, this is a movie of moments and the, the moments that get you are phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It's a a two and a half star movie with four star moments sprinkled in. And that, you know, there aren't many movies where you get to see a character rip off his own head, uh, a character wrestle an invisible Jaguar and then get dragged into a, a grave uh you know a, a a corpse bride uh and a snake come out of her mouth yeah that there's so many individually striking and horrifying scenes in this movie uh yes. i i just i just don't think the movie holds up overall as much as i thought it did like i used to think like this is a movie that like in my mind was always right. terrifying and it's it's really just those boom moments throughout
1: right i, I agree yeah yeah i um you know it's, it's kind of funny because you know sherry t you know from my other channel she's been the last recast too she was walking in the kitchen and and she's like it's because it's not a good movie she said right <laughs> in the background and um It's funny because she and I just watched Poltergeist, uh, you know, like two nights ago. And you and I are always talking about Poltergeist on this channel. And um, it's funny because you talk about the idea of remembering a movie being scarier than it is. And I think if you look at both of these movies, there are some special effects that do not hold up, right? And then there are some special effects that absolutely hold up and are really good. And there's some really disturbing sequences. These two movies are nothing alike. However, I do think that what you're saying where it's like, you always remember it being scarier than it actually is. I think that that's just like a nostalgia thing, right? Where when you saw it and you were younger, you're like, oh my God. And I think that probably when this came out in 88, this was probably a pretty sensational film. As far as like people talking about it and being like, oh my God, I can't believe what happened in this movie.
0: Yeah, I think I read that it made, it it, it was a a financial success. I think it made like, $19 19 million on a seven million dollar budget, something like that, which for that's, 1988 was fine. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, I, I mean like, I, also I, watch-
0: oh, good. I I just want to like I, we, if it sounds like we're being negative, uh we are looking at this movie like you said, through nostalgia, through you know, a, a, a scope of 30 almost 35 years from when it came out. Uh right. the movie's up on shutter. If you've not seen it, I definitely recommend checking it out because, like we've been saying, there are great horror movie scenes in it. Um, it's Wes Craven at basically in probably the decade of his peak uh as a horror director, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe the actually more than a decade, probably 15 to 20 year peak period that he had. Yeah. Um uh, and uh, if you're a Wes Craven completist, then, you know, th- this is one of those movies that, like I said at the beginning, it- it's underrated. Uh, it kind of slips through the cracks. He has, and and you mentioned a few more of those movies, like the Deadly Friend. I think he did a movie in the early eighties called Deadly Blessing with Sharon Stone, which uh, I watched when it came out on Shutter, uh a long time ago. And it was, it was really creepy and effective. He's he's made a lot of these kind of like under the radar movies. People Under the Stairs, Shocker. They're all worth checking out.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know what? That's um that's a good segue right there, right? Because it's available on Shutter, and boy, am I really glad that I have my subscription this month because they are just like dropping all these great this great content right now, and um you have been for our channel reviewing cursed films and i feel kind of like a schmuck because i've never watched it until now and so um i just watched the wizard of oz one i watched it once with my wife i watched it once with my daughter i really love that wizard of oz one and then i just watched the rosemary's baby one by myself and uh danny and i like you said before we're going to talk about that episode now um so did you feel like this cursed films episode Focused a little bit too much on the Manson killings, or did you think that was like appropriate considering the backstory of this movie?
0: So I I noticed this in season one, where there there's a lot of times, and you brought up poltergeist. Um they cover oh, yeah. poltergeist in season one. <laughs> right. Um the the thing with this series is you if they just focused on the curses of the movies right i think the episodes would be 15 minutes long what right. what what they try to do and what i think they're mostly successful with is expanding out where like if cuz if you think about a curse a curse doesn't just stay in one spot very often it expands to the people who then bring that curse to everyone else around them and, and a curse, you know, if you believe in curses, it becomes like a disease where it spreads. Right. And they, they do that where they, so like with poltergeist, obviously, you know, Heather O'Rourke didn't pass away during the, the filming of the first Poltergeist, she passed away in the middle of part three, but they talk about that and they talk about her death and what that meant to the franchise. Uh, and they talk about you know, the daughter who, the older daughter who got murdered by her crazy stalker ex-boyfriend. And, you know, that stuff oh. isn't in the movie, um, you know, but it's, it's an extension of it. Yeah. So, so, You know, to get back to your question, I think that the Manson discussion is appropriate for this because of Roman Polanski, because of the connect, because of the timing. You know, this movie came out in 1968. If if the if Sharon Tate was murdered in 1985, then no, don't let's not be ridiculous. The fact that Sharon Tate was murdered a year later Um, and, and they make the connection to uh, the building where it was filmed. Uh, You, they make the connection to John Lennon. Uh, Yes. And the fact that the Beatles white album had Helter Skelter on it. Right. And the fact that John Lennon gets murdered in front of that building in 1980 yeah that stuff i thought was genuinely creepy yes
1: where
0: i where i do think this episode kind of went off the rails a little bit is when they started interviewing uh victoria vetri at the end which i have to say it felt really uncomfortable (laughs) and but like uncomfortable in the I felt bad for her. I right. I, I don't know I liked I don't wanna say that she was exploited because I don't wanna put that on the the filmmaker, the person who who makes these. I genuinely like this series. But right. that felt I mean to I mean to make the connection of an actress who was in the movie ends up having a really troubled life. Right. I I don't know. It, that felt like a, a stretch, and to and to interview her on screen in her current state, where she's, you know, openly dealing with memory loss, and it it that felt re- like to have her ex husband on there. It, it right. felt really, really kind of. Ugh, I hate using this word, but it, it felt cringy a little yeah, bit. Yeah, know. but. Everything up to there, I was all I was into, and um, we we talked. We you know you can go on our channel. We did a deep dive uh, into Rosemary's Baby. We covered the Unholy Trinity last year. You know for for December when everybody was celebrating the holidays, we celebrated Satan with this, right, and right. then we did The Exorcist and The Omen. Right, and so I love. I, as a history teacher, I love the period of the late sixties. It's one of the great periods of American history for all the positives and for all the negatives. So to, to get that aspect of it, uh, and to, and even bringing in, um, you know, the Anton LaVey stuff with the church of Satan. Uh, right. I, I loved that, uh, William Castle's family was involved. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know the polanski stuff and you know obviously roman polanski is a very controversial figure right. uh who did some things that nobody can uh support but at yeah. the same time he's he's he went through something that nobody can ever imagine what that does to your mind exactly uh and i'll tell you one thing in this episode, that genuinely creeped me out to the point where I was like, that should be a Conjuring movie.
1: I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Go ahead. The Humidor. The Humidor.
0: So, me, the, so Mia Farrow gave... Who who was the...
1: I was can't it? remember off the top of my head. You didn't take the notes. I, I, it's not the thing I thought you were going to say. So that's oh, interesting.
0: I, I'm trying to remember... I, Uh, Mia Farrow gave, I want to say it was William Castle because I think it was his daughter Mm -mm. who she gave him a humidor with a devil insignia with like ruby eyes and, um, and, and they just put it into storage. And I think she was like, my husband found it. And they were like, don't take it out, leave it in there. And I'm like, right, right. that needs to right. go in uh, in the Conjuring. That needs to go in the closet with Annabelle, you know?
1: Right, right, right. That's, that's at the very end of the episode, is that that's the very last shot they show is that thing in the storage unit, right? I I thought of actually two things that would constitute maybe talking about in a Conjuring movie, right? Because with the Conjuring movies, you know, it's not just the stuff with that, the couple. What the hell are their last names again? Patrick, Wilson and, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, what What's their last name in the movies? Oh, God. I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. We should know this shit, right? We, we cover like all the fucking. I know.
0: Movies. I know.
1: But anyway, you know, it goes beyond them, right? And so one of the I've things. I've eaten a like, lot
0: of food the last two days. I've drank a lot of wine. So. Yes,
1: yes. I had a. A, a lot of bloody mary today too which but what i was gonna say though is that um they talk about roman polanski's life and there's this really great line in this episode where you have this guy whose whole job is he takes people around on these tours where he shows all the different deaths of the people and he points out how roman Polanski's parents died during world war ii right his mom was exterminated in the holocaust she was pregnant and they killed her she was four months pregnant and, um, you know, he said that most people, when you talk about pure evil, they reference Adolf Hitler first and they reference Charles Manson second, right? Yeah. He said that Roman Polanski is the only person you can think of whose parents were killed by Hitler and whose wife and child were killed because of Charles Manson. I mean, it,
0: it it's an amazing connection, like yeah. amazing in every awful way you can imagine. Right. Um, And like uh, they they talked about, um, I think the guy you're talking about is Scott Michaels, who does the Dearly Departed tour. I wrote wrote his name down, Uh, but yeah, they, um, they there were there was other stuff from. uh, They talked about one of the musicians on set uh, who died uh, a couple months after the movie was made, uh, in a very similar way to one of the characters. Hutch.
1: Right. right. Well, that's uh, Christoph Kamita. He did the score. He did that Rosemary song. That, yeah. Uh, right? And, and so yeah. that blew my fucking mind, where it's like, he either hit his head in a fight or he was in a car accident. They weren't sure. But essentially, he got a hematoma on his brain, and he died in a coma Which a couple months later.
0: was exactly how like Hutch died in the movie, where right. he just like fell ill, went into a coma, and, and passed away. Uh, the like the weird thing about um, Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. I had no, like, why would I have known that? First of all, like that right. Sammy Davis Jr. was apparently an open Satanist. <laughs> and yeah. and there's two very clear uh, pictures or scenes with her, with the book, his right. autobiography. Yeah. I mean... I will say uh, the guy, uh, Julian Wasser, the photojournalist who yes. was, that guy is freaking weird. I mean,
1: <laughs> a lot of the people in this particular episode were weird. The people in the Wizard of Oz episode kind of just seemed like fans, right? And this, you kind of had people that seemed to be part of the Hollywood system and they had weird personal lives. I mean, at one point they're just interviewing a woman who's a Satanist, right? Like she was one of the main commenters.
0: Yeah, uh, she is a, a member of the uh, Church of Satan. Who yeah. I, I have to just say, if you've never seen, and this goes for you, or for, there's an amazing documentary called "Hail Satan" about the Church of Satan mm. uh, and how like their campaign to become a, a an official religion so that they can be counted as like freedom of religion. It's a fantastic documentary. It's like Hail Satan with a question mark at the end. Okay. Um, I, I saw it a few years ago, uh, but yeah, you had her. You had an actual woman from the Manson family.
1: Right, right. Like I think her name was Snake when she was with the Manson family. Yeah, yeah.
0: Diane Lake. Who?
1: Yeah.
0: And and like she was like laughing on screen at one point. I'm like. Uh,
1: I know, I know. You know, you bring that up and it's kind of funny because um, Sherry was saying this, you know, we're bringing Sherry into this a lot tonight, um, but but Sherry was saying how when she read the book of Helter Skelter, she kind of envisioned the uh, Polanski house to be a certain way, that neighborhood to be a certain way. And then when, you know, you saw videos of it and stuff, it looked totally different. Like when she saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it looked a lot different from what she envisioned. And I think it's really interesting because uh tarantino must have obviously done his research and then i obviously like he steals things from other movies or he's influenced by other movies and in this documentary that we watched they showed footage from like a black and white movie telling of the uh murders and some of the shots looked exactly like shots at from the end of once upon a time in hollywood would, would you agree
0: i mean uh y- yes i do agree but also with once upon a time in hollywood that scene on Spawn Ranch is like, if you, if anyone ever doubted Tarantino can make a legitimate horror film, that is one of the scariest scenes that has no, nothing of what you would consider to be like real horror. Just the tension in that scene with Brad Pitt looking for, I think it's Bruce Dern's character on Spawn Ranch. That's right. Oh my god, that scene is so freaking scary. And yes. yeah, um, and I was just in Hollywood in February, and our we we stayed like we stayed where if I walked out, I could like turn and look up at the Hollywood sign. Nice, and man. I went running through Runyon Canyon and I came out onto Mulholland Drive. And I ran through the Hollywood Hills, like snaking around in the middle of the mountains. And it's, there is a level of like nerve wracking. Uh, It's very nerve wracking because you're, you're like, first of all, as a New Yorker, you're just not used to this kind of geography where you're up on the, there's like a literal, literal houses on Hills. Uh, and there's these like roads that cut off and just are one lane that snake around in uh, the, and end at the top of a hill it's it's really unsettling uh and I'm running through this area and I'm just and and in my head I'm thinking like yeah how don't more like effed up stuff how how doesn't more effed up stuff happen here like right it,
1: right. Well, with those tours, it's interesting because, you know, we, we've talked about Poltergeist a couple of times tonight already. And with the tour that that guy does, uh, well, not William Castle, uh, Scott Michaels, he does those daily departed tours. And it sounds like he goes like through that neighborhood and he ends at the Polanski house. And he was kind of implying that like there was a burial ground there, right? Well, that, that was they...
0: Paramount. Uh, Paramount Studios. Oh, okay, there? okay. He was, yeah. he was talking about how that whole, yeah, that whole uh, there, there's apparently another Canyon um, that led up to Chielo drive, which was where Polanski's house was. And he was basically just dotting a line of like, this person lived here and they died horribly. And this person lived in this house and they died horribly. And, John Ritter lived here and John Ritter died of a massive heart. Like, and it was just like all of these famous people who lived in these properties, uh, who died of mysterious circumstances. And, you know, again, you know, the whole point of the show is to kind of bring up the mythology that surrounds these movies. And then, You know, discuss them as, you know, you have the people who are going to be like, oh yeah, 100%, this is true. And then you, they also, usually they try to bring in people to give the, you know, point counterpoint. I thought the Wizard of Oz episode did a much better job of that where Agreed. there was like the one guy who was like the tape trader, who's like, this is the Holy grail box. And look, you're going right. to see the munchkin hanging back and forth. Right. And then, and then like the next guy, they interview is like, it, it was a bird. You guys are all nuts. And, right. and, and like, he was like, kind of like the, the, the point counterpoint, like, I believe in curses. Uh, you know, let's talk about reality. And, right that the Wizard of Oz episode I thought did a much better job this one was just more about you know Rosemary's baby and then all the people in it and 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 attached to it and what happened to their lives right after the movie and was it because the movie was about Satan did it have to do with Roman Polanski's connections to you know his wife and 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 the holocaust and, and, yeah. and man that you know, it, there was no, there was no person. Um, what's, there was no control, you know, like there were a lot of variables, but
1: there was no control. That's good. That's well put. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It did seem a lot darker and, it, and it's, you know, because with the Wizard of Oz when we say cursed, it's really that there's just a lot of sort of accidents and kind of freak things that happen. It's not like it's this evil movie, you know, regardless of any kind of orgies the Munchins might've been having or not having according to this documentary. Right. But with, you know, Rosemary's baby, the very subject matter of it is like evil and the devil. And so it's obviously people are going to make those connections. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I personally don't believe in curses, but I, and you know, watches this. I'm probably going to fucking die in my bathtub tonight. But um, I, I was going to say that I, I thoroughly enjoy this show because I just like hearing about the Hollywood process. Cause one thing in in both episodes, it's almost like they kind of make a point to talk about how Hollywood messes people up. You mentioned that one actress, that's the one that commits suicide in Rosemary's baby and how like her life got kind of messed up. Like obviously being part of the Hollywood system, I think had some kind of influence on that.
0: And she was supposed
1: to be at that party that the Manson people showed up to, but she decided not to go. So that's fucking crazy too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that that weighed on her also the the whole it should have been me aspect. I just right. didn't feel comfortable watching her on screen. It, it that that I think they they kind of pushed the boundaries a little bit. But yeah. uh, overall though and it's funny cuz I I I always if I know that I'm going to be, you know, talking to you about certain things, I always especially current things like movies that are on shutter or uh a a new show like Cursed Films coming back, uh, I always kind of look on social media and see like what they're talking about and I've actually seen one person I saw was like oh my god, that episode was the best episode of Cursed Films they've ever done and then I've seen a few other people be like yeah, that was terrible I can't believe they, they, they went that far, they didn't even talk like to your point, they didn't even talk about the movie, it was all about the Manson family and to me the Manson family stuff you can't talk about a 1968 Roman Polanski movie about Satan and not bring up Charles Manson and the fact that a year later, his wife was murdered. Right. So that I didn't have a problem with uh, the other stuff, you know, bringing on a former Manson family woman uh, and then having Victoria Vitry on when she clearly is not uh up to uh, up to being in you know with her memory and everything okay. Meanwhile I, I can't remember the the name of the family from the conjuring so
1: well how about this you look up or you you plug what else we're gonna have on our channel coming up and I'm gonna look up the the family from the conjuring real quick
0: okay well uh, we're gonna be finishing we're gonna keep doing uh, some more. Uh, Halfway to Horror stuff on Shudder. Halfway to Horror. Halfway to Halloween. At uh, worst too. uh, On Shudder. There's a few more movies that uh, we're definitely going to talk about. Uh, Charlotte and I did uh, reviews of Candyman and Halloween 3. Uh, Cursed Films comes out every Thursday. Uh, Joe Bob's Last Drive-In comes back uh, at the end Mm -hmm. of this month, Friday the 29th. Nice. Nice.
1: what movie are we covering next week? So so we kind of talked about this, like, what to do next. I, I'm personally leaning towards uh, Spine of the... Spine of Night, yes. Spine of Night, right, right. That that just seems real intriguing to me. And then um, there was one other thing on... Oh, there was that other movie that you were talking about called The Devils.
0: The Devils, I, I, I watched it. Uh, I would love to rewatch it and talk about it because that movie is insane. Yeah. Um, another movie uh, that talks about the devil, uh, and Satan, uh, in a very holy month. So that's very appropriate for our channel.
1: So, so we have to kind of determine if we're going to do the devils or Spine of Night. And we can also just say fuck it because we just always cover shutter stuff. We can just do both, you know, over time. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But, um, besides that, uh, because you and I have to record for 426, you know, LV426. Oh, that's right. oh my
0: god, that's this uh that's coming up,
1: right? So Origin, the making of Alien, that's a documentary that's on shutter right now. So we can talk about that too. To answer your question, it, it believe me. When I saw this, it kind of made me like kind of hit myself in the head. But Warren, they're the Warrens, Ed Warren. That's Patrick Wilson, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cool. So we're going to just keep covering some Shutter stuff because it's the streaming service that is like the perfect thing to review when you have a channel like this.
0: And then so in May, gonna... uh, a certain Netflix show comes back that I'm oh, sure
1: shit. we're going to want to talk about. Yes. Uh,
0: Stranger Things season four, starring yes. Robert England. Uh, yes. Uh, that'll be back. Uh, Charlotte is. Uh, Charlotte already started rewatching season one today. I don't want to go back and do a full rewatch. I'm probably going to rewatch season three because I completely forgot where season two and season three ended and began. So I want to rewatch season three. Uh, And then it's like half of season four is in May. And then I think the other half is in July.
1: Something like that. Yeah. It's two parts. Yeah. But you know what? If you want, you know, me, we get a pepper back on and we could do season two and season three. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, If you want to watch like one of those short recaps for season two, we'll do that. And then uh, and then if you watch season three again, then we can all talk about season three together.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Sounds good.
1: Cool, man. So we always have a lot of shit to go on this channel. And I say this every video, but Danny puts out a ton of content every week. I'm on here at least maybe about once a week, but Danny's on here multiple times a week. I'm actually oh.
0: watching uh, the cellar right now. Uh, I go. actually paused it. I'm like 30 minutes into it. Nice. Uh, yeah, Eliza uh, Eliza Cushbert, Cuthbert is. Um, I, I posted this. Yeah, I was like the 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 women. You know, not to be weird and creepy, but like the the women who like when I was younger, I was like, man, she's so beautiful, and now I'm like she's cast as a mom of two kids. One of them's a teenager. Come on. And then I look it up and I'm like, oh, she's exactly my age. Right. (laughs) And I have two kids. One of them who's 18. Okay. Forget it. (laughs) I mean, she still looks great. And the movie is actually pretty creepy so far. It kind of feels like, uh, are you watching it? I
1: I haven't seen it. No, no. Um, Oh,
0: it, 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 it feels like a, it feels like Evil Dead but in a haunted house setting instead of like a cabin in the woods setting. Really? Where it's like, where it's I'm only 30 minutes into it. But like Okay. They play like an old like uh one of those old like uh i don't know what it's called i don't know music i I don't
1: the fucking thing you're talking it's like a fauna graph or something yeah like
0: an old one of those old music players it plays it there's like a a witch lived in the house it awakes a spirit from the from the the cellar the daughter goes down into the cellar and now she's disappeared uh so it kind of feels like you know evil dead but in a a haunted house instead of a cabin in the woods Maybe I'll, maybe, you know, stay, stay up to the channel. Maybe uh, you'll see a review of it.
1: Uh. Nice. Speaking of Evil Dead, before we sign off, why don't you show off your nice little sexy Evil Dead shirt right Ah, there?
0: Yes. Evil Uh, Dead 2. I got a brand new Evil Dead 2 shirt. Um, This was actually bought for me as an early birthday present uh, by my friends, uh, Eve and Dave, who are the... Uh, the mom and dad of geeks of doom uh, oh, who gave know. me my start in uh you know getting my opinions on movies out uh you can go to geeks of and search up dr Zayas and you'll see a bunch of my movie reviews and interviews and lists and all the stuff i did there um and yeah that that's kind of cool i got a lot of my connections through them so thank you to them and plug uh, the website and everything and
1: yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking with you, Danny. And it, I always love the f- stuff that you choose for us to watch because I, a lot of it I've never seen before. So it's always great to kind of check this new stuff out, especially on shutter. And if you guys like listening to two middle-aged men, half remember names to things and half remember names to actors. This is your channel, the Lasser cast, make sure that you like and subscribe and we will be back next. That's more shutter content y'all have a good night happy easter happy
0: Happy holidays everybody (laughs) oh no did you freeze at the last minute